that rocket took a lot from you, took your hearing, took, you know, some of your brain function, took a lot from you that day. But what it didn't take from me was that light that was still inside of me. It was still there. And the one thing that that rocket could not touch was my very soul, the thing that made me Gretchen. And so I had to like find that dim light and remember who I was and what I represent and say, I'm not going to give up. There's a light that's still there. I just need to fan that light. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans, retired Army veteran, author, athlete, speaker, and mentor. Retired Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans is a highly decorated female veteran that began her journey when she entered the U.S. Army at 19 years of age and worked her way up to Command Sergeant Major, the highest rank an enlisted soldier can achieve. In 2006, CSM Evans' world changed in a millisecond when she was severely wounded by incoming fire while serving in Afghanistan. The rocket blast caused her debilitating injuries, including a traumatic brain injury, internal injuries, and the loss of all hearing. After her combat injury and recent PTSD diagnosis and subsequent retirement from service, her transition from military to civilian life was difficult. But with grit, gumption, resilience, and determination, CSM Evans navigated her changed life and found a new passion and purpose advocating for veterans of all services. Today, CSM Evans is determined to pay it forward by focusing her efforts on improving the lives of her fellow veterans by actively serving as a mentor, coach, and community activist. In 2019, CSM Evans assembled a mixed ability team of disabled combat veterans and civilians with disabilities to compete in the world's toughest race in Fiji. Hosted by Bear Grylls and produced by Mark Burnett, who you may know from Survivor and Shark Tank, her team, Unbroken, was the first totally disabled team to ever compete in the world's toughest race. Team Unbroken inspired millions with their resolve to not let their injuries define who or what they could achieve in life. Gretchen is a nationally known motivational speaker and was inducted in the U.S. Veteran Hall of Fame in 2019 and the U.S. Army's Women's Hall of Fame in March 2021 for her outstanding meritorious service with the United States Army and her community. She is also the author of Leading from the Front, and her personal story is featured in the 2020 best-selling book, What's Within You. Most recently, Gretchen received the Pat Tillman Award for service at the 2022 ESPY Awards broadcast on ABC. Listen in for some great takeaways about Gretchen's journey through the ranks of the United States military to advocating for veterans and those faced with disabilities, whether physical or mental. 
and not to mention the impact she is making on the world. And if you listen in carefully, you'll hear her service dog, Rusty, in the background taking a nap during our conversation. I have the pleasure today of being with Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans, retired Army veteran, author, athlete, speaker, and mentor. Welcome to the show, Gretchen, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me today. It's just an honor and a privilege to be here with you. The honor and the privilege is all mine. And first and foremost, before we jump into our great conversation, I want to thank you and your husband. I know you're both military. We appreciate and uh, very much respect your service to this country. And, and thank you very much from the bottom of my heart and from the show as well. Thank you so much. It was our honor, both of us, to serve our country and really enjoyed both our military services so very much. Well, thank you. As I sat in my living room next to my wife, uh, you know, several months ago at this point, who was crying at the time watching you receive the Pat Tillman Award and hearing your story, I, I tell you, I was moved. And that's really what prompted me to reach out to you. So I want to, like I said, again, thank you for that, for your service to our country. And for those in our audience who, and our listeners who, may not know who you are. Can you share who is Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans? Give us a little 10,000-foot view of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Well, I'm really just a um, simple lady who uh, went into the military at 19 to serve my country initially just for four years, but I fell in love with the military and its way of life. And really what I fell in love with was the the sense of giving to others and not being like a self-licking ice cream cone. You know, the, the term in service really came from back in the day when people said, what are you doing? And the World War II veterans would say, well, I'm in service. And that meant I'm in service for or to something else other than yourself. So that really made my heart sing. And so what turned out to be like a four-year enlistment initially turned out to be 27 wonderful years in the military until I was severely wounded in Afghanistan. I'm also an adaptive athlete, adventure racer. I'm a motivational speaker. I have written a book and I love people and I love dogs. And I just, I, you know, I try to get the most out of every day. And that's kind of who Gretchen Evan is. That's amazing. And, you know, thank you again. And we'll talk a little bit about that adaptive athlete uh, in you as well. And we've had the pleasure. I'm a, I'm a big hockey guy and my family is a big hockey family. And I happen to be very good friends. And she was a guest on our show of the executive director of the American Special Hockey Association, which has set up hockey programs for adaptive athletes, those that blind, loss of hearing, loss of limbs, etc., or just even special needs folks who want to enjoy the great sport. So, you know, that takes a lot. You know, my teenage sons, I have a 16 and a 19-year-old, would not forgive me. So I had to put this at the beginning to ask you if I didn't ask you what it was like to be at the ESPYs, because that is a tried and true must-watch in our household and something they always get excited about. And you've been there. So what was it like to be there? 
It was amazing. I had never experienced anything like that before. They treated me so wonderfully from the very beginning when they sent the film crew out to shoot the video for for the ESPYs to when I showed up and all these amazing athletes just treated me like I was one of their own. I am not a professional athlete by any means, and yet they were so kind and respectful. I will say this, everybody was much taller than me or much bigger than me. So I think I stuck I stuck out like a sore thumb because I'm very small and very petite. And also I was in uniform. But just to be sitting next to Steph Curry and seeing all these amazing athletes, Russell you know, Wilson gave me uh, presented me the my SB and just all these professional athletes was amazing. Plus, there was all these celebrities there as well. You know, John Hamm was was there, and I mean, he was very compassionate about, upon hearing in my story, and you know, made a point to come up to me and say that's one of the most profound stories I've ever heard. And so, what it was like was like being it was a surreal moment, being a normal person thrown into the midst of a very Hollywood-ish event, but yet seeing all these people you see on the big on the big screen or on your TV playing, you know, sports every day and just seeing them as normal people. So what is your favorite sport then, should I ask? Or do you have one? Yes. I love to watch professional football and the Dallas Cowboys are my favorite team. I'm a native Texan. And uh, so I love the Cowboys, uh, but I also love to watch almost every sport. I'm a big basketball fan as well. Just about anything I'll watch. I love what it takes to be a professional athlete. I know what it takes to put that much work into it and the sacrifices even they make being away from their families. So it's, you know, it's, I think some of it's natural talent, but I think a lot of it's like everybody else. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, there's probably a lot of comparisons to the military, albeit different things at stake in the military versus professional sports. But I would imagine it takes a lot of the similar traits to be a professional athlete as it would be somebody to be a career military person, especially one that moved up the ranks over such a long career in the military as well. So I'm sure there's some similarities there. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think that you have to be self-disciplined. You have to know how to play uh, as a team member and how important that is. You need to know your own weaknesses and strengths. And I think that the professional athletes, too, I think that every time they get out on whether it be the court or the field, there's always a chance you're going to get hurt. And that could be a career ending, you know, injury. Uh, which is what exactly what happened to me was. And I think that there's always in the back of your mind, you're always thinking this could be the day, but yet you still play, you know, full throttle, giving it your all because, you know, it might not be the day. So you can't worry about that. So so let's put it kind of in the back of your head and you think, I'm just going to go out there and, you know, be the best athlete, be the best warrior that I can be. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the game, you're still, you're still playing. With all your faculties, right? Too. With all your faculties, indeed. <laughs> so can you share your connection to the U.S. facility named after Pat Tillman, the Pat Tillman Memorial USO Center? Obviously, that you know now you know, that's something that's important to you. You won that award. What's the connection there that you have to that facility? 
Yeah, ironically enough, the USO facility on Bagram Air Force Base, which is was the major base in Afghanistan, it was the largest base in Afghanistan, when they established the USO there, they named it after Pat Tillman. And so just about every service member who came into Afghanistan spent some time inside that facility, whether it be waiting for an air a flight out or flight uh, in, whether it be seeking refuge, okay, from a crazy day. There was always wonderful people, man, in that USO. And so, you know, it was just amazing to me when I found out that I was going to be a recipient of the Pat Tillman Award for Service, that I had actually been in that facility. At the end of the war, when we were pulling out, one of the things they did was they went and got his jersey that hung on the wall in that USO, and they ensured that it made it back to the United States and back to his family. That's how important that USO was to us and how much Pat Tillman meant to us as a military member. Was there any specific stories that you recall from being there that was an uplifting or something that really helped you while you were there and, and spending your time there? Yes, I can remember coming in from a really long trip and I stopped off at the USO because I had to wait for a couple of hours for my you know, convoy to pick me up. And I walked over to the USO and I was just, I was dog tired. I mean, just dog tired, worn out, hadn't had a decent meal in probably a couple of weeks and uh, was able to sit down. And one of the USO workers walked up to me and says, what can we get for you, Sergeant Major? And I said, man, I would like kill for like a Diet Coke or something other than than the water with electrolytes or an MRE. And he went and somehow found a Diet Coke for me and a hot dog. And it was like a ballpark hot dog. It was had a soft bun and it was warm. And that sounds so simple. But I hadn't had anything warm to eat in a really long time and certainly hadn't had the privilege of having a Diet Coke. And I don't know, it just meant the world to me. And it kind of like re-energized me. It also reminded me of home. It gave me just a little bit of a feel of how it feels to be back in America. And I wasn't missing America. And so, you know, I had a little bit of America. It's nothing more American than a hot dog, right? <laughs> Definitely not. And it's sometimes it's it's so amazing how sometimes those little things just bring you back to kind of where you need to be and refresh you and rejuvenate you for whatever you have on a go forward basis. And sometimes it's just simple as a, a Coke and a, a hot dog, right? Did you follow Pat Tillman when he was alive and playing and his story throughout or was it something or was he somebody you were introduced to? Because you mentioned you were a football fan, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Pat played for the uh, Arizona Cardinals, I believe, when he was playing. Did you know his story going in there or was it something you kind of learned when you arrived in your deployment? Yes, I knew of him because he was a stellar player when he was in the NFL and had quite the NFL career. And of course, you know, we all know those of us who are in the military that he walked away from a multi-million dollar contract and went basically went into the military as a private. Okay. And then, you know, went to Ranger School because he felt called again, called to service. And, you know, that just spoke volumes to us knowing that someone uh, like him, cared so much about his country and his fellow service members that he would give up the privilege of playing professional football and come join the fight. 
And then when he was killed, it was, you know, devastating to all of us, uh, the circumstances around it, but just the loss of his life. And so, you know, that he was just what a, an incredible individual. I, you know, I could speak all day on the attributes and the legacy that Pat Tillman left behind. And I try to emulate him in every way that I, that I can, especially now being a recipient of an award that was named after him. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute because obviously, you know, you knew about his career, you you respected and really admired his story, as you said. So, what did winning that award, the Pat Tillman Award, what did that mean to you as somebody who kind of followed this throughout? Unlike maybe another person who might have received the award who may not have known the story in and out until they made it to the military or something along those lines. You had a history there, pretty much following him all along. So, what did it mean? to you to win that award? I think when I first found out, and it was funny how I found out because when they selected me and then they wanted to notify me, they knew that I was deaf. And so they said, well, how do we contact her? Because normally it's a phone call and they weren't quite sure. So they sent an email and that email ended up in my junk mail. And so as I was going through my emails that day, and then, you know, you have your junk file and I looked and there was three or four messages and I, I usually just hit, you know, the block to delete them all. But I saw this email and all it said was it was from ESPN. And I thought, well, did I order a magazine? Or I don't know. Anyway, so just by chance, I said, well, let me open it up and see. So I opened it up and I saw that I had been selected. And so the one thing I'll say to you is that you don't win the Pat Tillman Award, you're given it. And so I, when I read it, I was just in shock. And then I, uh, they said, please call us. And, and I did. And so here's what it meant to me to answer your question. All of a sudden, I felt like it put me on a whole different playing field in the sense of how I need to live my life. Because with that award, I think comes responsibility. You know, you're a Pat Tillman Award recipient and people know that. And that means something. It certainly means something to me. And I think it means something to a lot of people. And so I said to myself, with this comes responsibility to live a life worth his sacrifice, to live a life that speaks to what he believed in. And that was others before self. And so I really had to sit down and think about, okay, I'm going to accept this award. And going forward, I want to be like him. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to encourage people to be caring and kind and to care about other people and care about the common good in general, about being a good person that people can look up to. So I had to do a self-check and say, okay, Gretchen, if you're going to say yes to this, then this is going to change your life and it needs to be for the better. That's amazing. So what are some of the things, if you could share with our listeners, that as a result of being uh, honored with the award, what are some of the things that you've now implemented in your life to start enacting some of those things that you now knew you know, weighed on you and, and really you had this responsibility to take on? So I've escalated my opportunities, if you will, or looked for opportunities to share not just my story, but Pat Tillman's story now that we're, we're somehow connected about living a life 
beyond yourself. I look for opportunities to talk about being an adaptive athlete, about overcoming barriers and not letting disabilities define who you are or what you can accomplish. And I do that through Team Unbroken. I also do that through the speaking engagements that I have the opportunity to do. I'm working on a second book, and I think that this will be part of it about how this like you said, it can be one little thing that can change your whole life. And being the recipient of the Pat Tillman Award for Service wasn't a little thing, but it certainly changed my life. And I and I want to live differently. So I don't take things, even the little things that I took for granted now, I don't anymore. I feel like that I'm on a mission to to carry this legacy into the next generation and the next and the next so that he will never be forgotten. And not just him as a man, but what he lived for and how he lived his life. And that if I can pass that torch on to generations after me, then I will be worthy of of receiving that award. Amazing. You know, we talk about here, we're, we're a wealth management firm. So we work very closely with the families that we work with. And a lot of the things that you're saying are really resonating with me. And, you know, two things in particular, one of the things that we talk about with the families that we work with is we don't call them clients. We talk about the families we serve. We feel that we're honored and privileged with the ability to work with these families, and we want to serve them in the best capacity that we possibly can, similarly to how you were saying, you know, being in service. Secondly, the other thing that I hear that really resonates is one of the things we talk about with these families when we're looking at doing planning and trying to map things out, many people in our profession, my profession, you know, are all concerned about and consumed with the money, right? Retirement planning. Do I have enough money for retirement? Doing this, do I have enough money? And we feel it's not just about the money. We talk about working with families to find their freedom. And finding their freedom means a lot of different things to different people. People, and it doesn't have to surround money. Money may be a facilitator of that or enable them to do more things or provide them with more freedom, depending upon what that looks like. But it really sounds to me like you're on this path. You're in a very good spot in terms of finding your freedom since receiving that award. It's kind of propelled you on this path to go in that direction in, in a significant fashion. Absolutely. And I I love the thought that you have for your clients. And I feel the same thing. It's it's about taking what you have and doing the most with it, you know, whether that's a little or it's a lot. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to do good things. It doesn't take a lot to be kind. It doesn't take a lot to be thoughtful. It doesn't take a lot to live your dreams. You just have to have a plan and then work towards the plan. You got to work the plan. And, you know, I talk about that all the time. Everybody thinks that you have to have all these resources to accomplish things in life. And I, f- I have found just the opposite, you know, with a, with a little bit of, of hard work and a little bit of grit and we call it gumption and resilience, mostly hope. Okay. And also I believe in, in the power of yet. You know, I'm on this journey to do lots of things and maybe they haven't yet happened, but it doesn't mean they're not going to happen. They just haven't happened yet. And so that yet word propels me to make that yet a yes. 
That's a great point. And thank you for sharing that. So one of the things you talked about just a moment ago is Team Unbroken and how important that is. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Team Unbroken, your experiences, and how it's really transformed your life? Yes, Team Unbroken is amazing. So just to give you a little bit of history. So I was actually in a hospital bed, had recovered from surgery, and I get an email from a really good friend of mine, Eric Weimayer who was the first blind man to ever summit Mount Everest. And he's a pal of mine. And he and I do lots of things together. We call ourselves the blind deaf team. And it's like a Saturday night live skit when we get together because (laughs) we have to rely on each other's working senses, as we say, to, to get through the, you know, whatever task we're doing. But he sent me an email and he said, Gretchen, they're bringing back the world's toughest race. And I think you should put together a team and go and do this. And because Eric sent it, I really didn't do a lot of research. I just said, yes. Okay. Cause I'm, you know, when you can, you say, yeah. So then I called a bunch of my battle buddies that had been injured and blown up in, in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I said, you guys want to go do this race with me? And of course they said, yes, because they're just like <laughs> me. Okay. And I filled out the application. And one of the funny things about the application is it was very lengthy on, you know, what kind of athlete are you? What can you do? Tell us the races you've won, blah, 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 blah. And all of us were athletes in our own right. I had one of my team members, Keith, he competed in the Ninja Warrior competition and did really well. Okay, even though the whole right side of his body doesn't work from an IED. Another one of my guys broke his back. Ann Bailey is a very severe type 1 diabetic. So all of us, you know, were adaptive athletes. Anyway, so I filled out the application and there was one little tiny paragraph that says, if you have any injuries, list them here. <laughs> I was on like page three, okay, oh, boy. listing our injuries. <laughs> okay. so teammate I, by teammate, right? Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, these were elite <laughs> athletes. And they're not expecting them to have like, injuries because they wouldn't be elite athletes. And so there was, was like barely an inch to write all this. So anyway, so I send the applications and I got a big fat no straight from the, from the uh, race people. And they said, no, you didn't read the fine print. Obviously this is the (laughs) toughest race in the world. This makes an Ironman look like a church picnic. And so I wrote back and said, are you disqualifying us because uh, you don't think we have what it takes? And basically they said, yes. Back and forth, we went with emails. And finally, I said, look, don't judge us based on our disabilities. We are good athletes and we're very capable. And three of us are combat veterans. And there's not a harder playing field in the world. Right. (laughs) Right. Long story short, finally, I think they got frustrated. And I got on a Zoom call with Mark Burnett and Kevin Hodder, who is the race director, And Mark Burnett said to me, he was the producer. He does Survivor and The Voice and a bunch of things. And he says to me, Gretchen, I want to say yes to Team Unbroken, but I'm afraid. I said, well, Mark, what are you afraid of? And he goes, I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. And I started laughing because I said, Mark, we've already been hurt. (laughs) We've been blown up. (laughs) And so Mark says, okay. And I said, look, all I'm asking is for you to put Team Unbroken on the same playing field with everybody else. And if we wash out, that's on us. But if you say no, then you won't know and we won't know if we could ever do something as hard as this. So I'm asking you to open a door that's closed. And he said, gosh, when you put it like that, how can I say no? And I said, say yes. And so he did. And so off we went to the world's toughest race. 
going back to what you just said, that's a prime example of turning a yet to a yes. A yet to a yes. Okay. <laughs> and so we went and we competed. And then when they released the series, which is still on Amazon Prime, if you haven't watched it, it's still on. There were 66 teams. Only 20% ever finished these races. They're not meant to finish. They're meant right. to bring you to your knees. Okay. But Amazon fell in love with Team Unbroken because we went there with not the best equipment. We didn't have any big sponsors. We didn't have Spalding or Nike or anything like that. We went there on a wing and a prayer, literally. Okay. Money that we'd asked from family and friends. And then we navigated all these really hard things to do in spite of our challenges. And so uh, six months after they released the premiere, Mark called me and he says, Gretchen, nobody even cares or even knows who won that race, but everybody knows who Team Unbroken is. And he goes, I want you to promise me that you'll keep racing, but more importantly, that you'll keep telling your story. And so we have taken that to heart. And so Team Unbroken, we're still competing in all kinds of races, not just adventure races. We do all kinds of things. Recently, we did the Marine Corps Marathon. We continue to to do races, the Bataan Death March, we're climb mountains. We do anything that's out there. And it's really not about the race. It's really about taking four individuals who've been kicked to the curb, like a lot of people in life, and are saying that that doesn't define who we are. We get to decide that. We get to decide what we can do and who we are, not something that's happened to us. And that's really we want to encourage other people to, to feel that way, too. Don't let those things own you. You can get past them. So we talk a lot about, like I say, grit and gumption and resilience. And so Team and Broken is well and alive, and we're doing all kinds of crazy things. And it's been it changed my life because every day I'm in contact with Team Unbroken. And we're like a rope team. We're tied to each other and we encourage each other. And what we do is not easy. And every once in a while, one of us gets tired and we think, okay, you know, maybe I don't need to do this anymore. And the three others will say, oh, no, you have to. We need you. So really, that's what Team Unbroken did to me. It gives me hope. It keeps me engaged in life. And it puts me in a place where I can talk to people like myself that have been kicked to the curb in life and be able to share my story and say, I can help you through this, okay? I can show you ways to navigate this new normal for you. Quite the inspiration, and I'm sure there are plenty of folks that you know about your effect on them because they've probably emailed or tried to tell you or contact you, and then there are probably just as many, if not 10 times more, that you will never hear from that you've had a positive impact on. And, uh, you know, I wish you and Team Unbroken all the luck in the future to continue doing these crazy races that I probably will never do. I don't know that I'll turn that yet into a yes, but you never know. You never know. You should come out with us. We consider anybody who wants to do anything with us. All you got to do is contact us on our website. And if you want to come and compete with Team Unbroken, we bring you out because we race for everybody. I will keep that in mind, and I will uh, propose that challenge to all of our listeners as well to Absolutely. to take advantage of that challenge. And if they're up to it, to give it a whirl and, and, and reach out about uh, partaking with you. So I want to shift gears for a moment. I had or we had the CEO of America's Vet Dogs on episode 22 of our show. 
And I know that you have a vet dog. Uh, I believe your current one is Rusty and you had Aurora before Rusty. You know, how have service dogs, how have they transformed your life? I can't even put it into words really to articulate the change. When I first received Aura, let me let me back up a little bit because it's an important story. So I was in a really low point in my life. Transition was hard for me. You know, 27 years in the military and the transition and was hard enough. But if you compound the injuries that I had, going from being a hearing person for 46 years to becoming a deaf person, having a traumatic brain injury, having the other injuries that prevented me from living my best life. And it was hard. And I was, you know... I was hanging on by a thread. And when I first sent an email to America's Vet Dogs to see if they could help a deaf person, the beautiful story was they said yes, even though they had never trained a hearing dog before. It's a beautiful story. When they got my email, they sat down at the table and they said, we train dogs to do all kinds of things, open doors, turn on lights, get medicine out of out of a refrigerator. Why can't we train a dog to help a deaf person? So there's another example of yet to yes, and I didn't know it. So they wrote back to me and just said yes. They didn't give me any details because they didn't have any details. <laughs> and then they figured it out, and they trained Aura, who was the first hearing dog America's vet dogs ever trained. And the minute I got her, honestly, my world changed. I felt that love and that support, you know, from that leash, from her going all the way up through my hand into my heart. And for the first time since I had been injured, I had a little bit of hope that life was going to get better for me. So both my service dogs, well, Rusty now, we, Aura's is, has been retired, but Rusty now, they alert me to sounds and they keep me safe. He's my battle buddy. And I can go out in the world and I don't even feel like a deaf person anymore because I've got this beautiful black lad that hears for me. And so I don't consider myself deaf. I just have a set of ears that look different than everybody else. <laughs> they saved my life. I don't know how else to say it. They saved my life. I will tell you, I don't know if you even know this about me, but my house, I live only a couple of miles from where they're located. And uh, during the pandemic, in the midst of the pandemic, they had a shortage of people to take in some of these dogs. So over a couple of months, we had 12 different dogs in our house just for socializing when they were very young, not training, not long term, because we're traveling a lot. So it wasn't fair. It's not fair to a dog for us to take on that responsibility if we're not going to be able to fully do it. But this was going to be like one to two weeks at a clip. And my boys were really interested and we had a number of puppies. And, you know, when people asked my kids, you know, how is it having these dogs and then having to let them go, you know, they concentrated on and would tell people that we're not concentrating on us. We're concentrating on what these dogs can and will potentially do for other people. So it's great to see that what they do and their mission and kind of meet people like you who are the recipient and the beneficiary of that because it just makes that work so much more rewarding in terms of, you know, knowing they tell you it's going to help people, but sometimes unless you see it, you know, it's hard to actually put two and two together. So it's amazing work and we're, we're honored to have it in the same town that we live in, you know, originate there. So uh, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun being right, right close to that organization. 
Thank you, because what you did was remarkable. And every dog that you help raise and that you, you know, took care of is probably in the hands of a veteran right now, changing their lives. So please go home today and tell your family from the bottom of my heart and for every veteran that I know that when you look yourself in the mirror tonight, when you're combing your hair or brushing your teeth and remind yourself that you helped save a life because you did. That's yeah, how important you. these dogs are. So I think, I thank you very, very much. And, and all my team members and, and everybody that I know that's been a recipient, we thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. It's the least we can do for folks who uh, have put their lives on the line for us. So you're welcome. One of the things I know now is your children, I believe, are serving our country now. So how is it being the parent of a service member? How is that different than serving yourself? Or is it? Yeah, it is different. It's awful. <laughs> well, thank you for your honesty there. <laughs> no, it's, and I know I mean that kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm, it's my son-in-law who is in the Air Force and my daughter is, is his uh, support. You know, those spouses, they serve too because you know too much. That's why it's mm -hmm. awful. You know, you 27 years, my husband did 25 years. We know too much. And so we... We see it every time we, he deploys, we think we hold our breath until he comes home. And we try to be supportive to my daughter while he's gone for long times. And we worry more. I never worried about myself. Honestly, I never worried about myself getting hurt. I never crossed my mind. In fact, when I got blown up, nobody was more surprised than me that it happened. But now every time my son-in-law deploys, I'm thinking, no, that's the man my daughter loves. And that's my son-in-law and all kinds of things can happen. So I'll say this, it's, it's a whole different thing because this is somebody that you love and you have no control over it. And you just simply have to keep them in your, in your thoughts and be supportive and be encouraging and know that they know as well what they're doing as you did when you were in service. They're very, he's very confident at what he does, but it, it is heartbreaking. I must tell you that I've shed more tears over him deploying than I ever did when I deployed. Interesting. Well, please tonight or next time you speak with him, thank him for his service on, on our behalf. We, we appreciate him and all he's doing. So, you know, one of the things I want to shift gears a little bit because you, you said earlier about your transition from military life to civilian life was very difficult. Obviously, you had the injuries that were as a result of your service as well. One of the areas, again, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I sit on, well, I don't any longer. I'm I'm still in that mode. I sat on the national board for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for about 14 years. I lost my brother-in-law to suicide in 2004. And one of the areas that we do a lot of work in and, and AFSP does a lot of work in is with veterans. You know, they're very important to this country. Obviously, there's a, a heavy load burden that comes with serving in the military, uh, especially if you've gone through injury. Etc. You know, one of the things you talk about is connection for veterans. And, you know, why do you feel that connection is so important for our veterans? And, you know, I, I'm assuming that that connection is also helpful to their mental health uh, as well. So why do you feel that connection is so important? 
Veterans, I think, because in the military, all branches, you know, you work as as a team and it's, you know, you're all wearing the same patch. You're all wearing the same uniform and usually you're working towards the same mission. And each one of you has an integral part in the success of that of that mission or whatever it is that you're doing with. It can be on the battlefield or, or, you know, painting rocks back in garrison, whatever it is. This is what we have to do. And you're all counting on each other. And then when we leave the military, it's hard for us to find that intimacy that we had with our battle buddies in the military. You know, you spend, you not only spend all day with them, but in like when you're deployed, you eat every meal with them and you sleep in the same tent and you ride in the same vehicle. So it's different than civilian life where at the end of the day, you go home and you kind of have this alternative life in the military. It's you're 24 seven with these people. We lose that when we go into the civilian world, and it just takes us a while to figure out that we can still have connections. They're going to feel and look a little different than what we had in the military for the most part, but they can still be as powerful. But it, it's a hard transition because you're used to having those people all around you, and you've already built this bond and this sense of loyalty, you know, because these are people you trust with your life. And so it's hard to replicate that outside of the military. It doesn't mean civilian life is, is, is bad or anything. It just means it's, it's different. And so for those of us, and I think the longer you've been in, the harder it is. So if you can imagine, I went in at 19 and was wounded at 46. So basically, I was raised in the military and had very little adult civilian life experiences. In fact, it was I didn't have a job before I went into the military. I went straight in after a year of college. And so my I didn't even know how to work a civilian job or even how to go about getting one. So I think for us veterans, we need that connection and we need to find it wherever we are. And it's most likely not going to be with other veterans because we're all spread out now. And so we have to work hard and find other, we have to find civilians who want to connect with us as well and realize the benefit of being that connected. We call it a rope team. Okay. You're tied to your rope team. And this is the the people that you share your triumphs and your failures and your catastrophes and your hopes and your dreams with, and they're tied to you and you're tied to them. And there's this this responsibility that if you were to trip and fall, your rope team would pick in for you until you're able to get back up. But then you're also the one that has to pick in for somebody else when they need you. So there's this accountability that comes along with being part of a rope team. That's why connection is so important for our veterans. And if we can't find it, we feel lost. Understandable. It makes sense. And I also see now the connection between you and that unbroken team, although that's not civilian, it brings you back to that level of connection back to those military folks, uh, which is a, which is probably a lot easier for you to connect with them immediately than civilians who haven't been in your shoes or understand the experiences. So you got to kind of build up, I guess, on, on both sides in order to make that work. But you know, we have one civilian on team unbroken, you know, Dr. Okay. M. Bailey is a civilian and I purposely put a civilian on the team to so I could mirror what the world looks like for our veterans and saying they can be part of your team. It's not a we, they thing. It's not veterans versus civilians. We have to work together and all for, for all of us to be successful. 
So I purposely have civilians on Team Unbroken. So like I said, everybody's welcome to become and, and be part of Team Unbroken. And hopefully you get some more members as a result of this show. We, we'd be very happy to to know that we uh, we resulted in that. So what do you have to say to someone who may be in a dark place right now? What would you say to them? I'll say to them what I had to say to myself. You know, when I really was sitting there that day and thought to myself, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not finding life post-military worthy. I felt you know, so discompopulated, if you will, and I couldn't find my way. What I finally said to myself was, Gretchen, remember who you are. You know, that rocket took a lot from you, took your hearing, took, you know, some of your brain function, took a lot from you that day. But what it didn't take from me was that light that was still inside of me. Now, maybe it had dimmed a little bit because of what had happened to me, but it was still there. And the one thing that that rocket could not touch Okay, was, you know, my very soul, the thing that made me Gretchen. And so I had to like find that dim light and remember who I was and what I represent and to take that next step and say, I, I'm not going to give up. There's a light that's still there. I just need to fan that light. I need to find what is my new passion and purpose in life? And what, you know, what makes me want to be the best that I can be? Whatever that it looks like in people's lives, the best mother, the best father, best brother, sister, spouse, whatever it is, best employee. And find what it is that makes your heart sing and brings out the best in you. It's great advice. And thank you for sharing that. And we're, we're glad you're working towards that and finding that, uh, for yourself and, and being a great example for others to do the same. Thank you for that. I applaud you and, uh, admire you as well. So we end every show, Gretchen, by asking each of our guests the same question. This is the Midland Money Mindset. We are all about joy. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I got up and got my workout in, which is always puts me in the right frame of mind. And it doesn't have to be a hard workout. It's just something that kind of clears the cobwebs out, starts my day off, gives me some energy. I do my best thinking when I'm running. It's quiet. It's beautiful here in Maine where I am. And I also spend some time with my husband and that always, you know, puts me in the best light. And he and I talked about, you know, even small goals. What do we got to get done today? That's going to matter tomorrow. You know, let's live for eternity. Let's do things that are going to matter 10, 20 years from now. So that's what I did today to, to get my day going. Well, thank you for sharing. Now I have to ask you one one last question, which is, I guess, the last, last question, because I have to ask you, is Rusty in or around your feet at the moment, and is he taking a nap? Yes, he is taking a ah, nap. I figured that was him. You could hear him very low and softly and faintly, but I figured that was him, and I, I think that just <laughs> adds a right level. Yeah. It just <laughs> adds a level of veracity and truth to the episode. So Absolutely. That, thank Rusty for being there and uh, taking a nap. I appreciate it. But So, Gretchen, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes, okay? But if people want to learn more about your story, contact you, connect with you, what's the best place for them to go and the easiest way for them to do that? The best way to do that is to get on uh, the website, 
It's called GretchensRopeTeam.com, all lower uh, caps, GretchensRopeTeam.com. You can follow Team Unbroken there. You can follow me on there. We love to interact with people. We post everything we're doing on there. So if people want to come join us for something wild and crazy, you can contact me there and say, hey, Gretchen, I'll meet you in Vermont and climb that mountain with you. So that's the best way. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Team Unbroken USA. Great. Well, I hope we get you some additional team members for Team Unbroken. I'll have to see what you're up to and see if uh, I feel I'm mentally and physically up to it. But you never know. I never I never say never. I may give it a try. You just haven't decided yet. There you go. So I appreciate you being a guest on the show and sharing your story with us and uh, make it a great day. Thank you so much for having me and have a fabulous day. Thank you. I want to thank Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. And more importantly, thank her for her service to this great country. We greatly appreciate it. Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans is an inspiration to people everywhere. Her dedication to her work and the lives of our military veterans is found in everything that she does. I challenge you to learn more about her, whether you've heard her story before or not. I assure you that you will find a new level of inspiration as a result. Gretchen, her books, her story, and all that she does can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.